Hello and welcome to another edition of Broadway Babies. I am Stephanie Anderson. And I'm Noelle Hannibal. And today we have with us Desmond Newson, um, a uh, co, I'm trying to think of the right, I was going to say co-conspirator, but that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> um, he's my homie for that reason. You know, my my, um, my pride lands homie. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, he's going to come on today. We're going to talk um, uh, specifically about a project that um, Desmond has co produced and I'm um, proud to be part of the cast. I'm like tumbling over my words, but I'm very proud to be part of the cast. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that exclusively and then we'll bring him back another time so he can talk all about his wonderful career. Now, Desmond, hello. Hey, Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of background right now on you, and then we'll launch right into talking about the project. How about that? Absolutely. Is that cool? Yeah. Awesome. So, um, Desmond, if you could just tell everyone out there um, just a little bit about your background and what you, um, as far as being in the world of the arts, um, the type of shows that you've been doing and the things that you have been creating um, uh, in this trying time. Absolutely, right in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> um, my name is Desmond. Wow. I am originally from Jacksonville, Florida, but I reside in Los Angeles, California. Um, I attended the University of Central Florida in um, Orlando Conservatory Theater out there where I received my BFA degree in musical theater with a minor in business. And yeah, after that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to perform and travel around the world um, from doing The Lion King and Simba for Hong Kong Disney, doing Motown on Broadway, as well as the uh, first national tour of Hamilton, the musical. So I I'm really grateful to have had these opportunities. And now, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, I'm kind of putting on a brand new hat um, that so many of my peers have kind of told me I should have done a long time ago, but you know, God's timing is perfect. And so here we are. Here we are. I, I do want to ask you before we um, we launch into your project, um, there are a couple of specific things that I just want to touch on on your career. The first thing I want to um, ask you about is something that I'd never heard of before because I, I guess it didn't. I live in Montreal, which, you know, I'm, I'm from Los Angeles originally, which Steph and I went to university together. But something that I would have loved to have seen that I didn't know about was Fly which is the story of the Tuskegee Airmen. So can you tell us a little bit? I, just, I, I love that story. I remember seeing the film years ago that Cuba Gooding Jr. was in. I think it was like a mini series. And um, I would love to see something like that on stage. Can you tell us a little about it? Well, yeah, I actually um, made my off-Broadway debut in that show. And it premiered, it had a West Coast premiere at the Pasadena Playhouse out in California, and then it transferred to Off-Broadway in New York. Actually, the theater was legitimately, you step outside and Aladdin was across the street from us. So we were on 42nd Street, oh, but wow. ironically. But to get back to answering your question, um, Fly was a story that was um, written 
by Ricardo Khan as well as Trey Ellis, who was also a part of, um, I believe the one, he was one of the writers that, uh, um, the one that Cuba Gooding Jr. was originally mm -hmm. a part of as well, if I'm not mistaken. But that story, it basically is a retelling of the journey and the struggle of the Tuskegee Airmen and how they were beyond excellent. You know, they were at the top of their class, but even in the midst of being excellent, you know, they had experienced so much adversity, obviously, because it was during the time when, you know, racism and segregation was such a huge thing. And it was a beautiful experience as an actor to step into, you know, this character. I was playing uh, the lead character, Chet Simpkins, and these characters are all based off of real people. And so, you know, once we transferred to New York, it was such an honor to meet, you know, the person whom my character was based off of, which was Mr. Roscoe Brown. And just, he was so vibrant and so energetic. And this man was like well in his 80s. And he was just talking to us about, you know, how aviation worked and the correct way to like, you know, steer an aircraft and all of these different things. And, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic now, we're all experience, experiencing it in different ways, but I kind of took a back seat in hearing this man's stories because I'm like, you have experienced so much as a black man throughout your entire life, but it did not stop you from being joyous and kind to other people. And so I just took it on as a responsibility to just be as great as I possibly could within retelling this story. Because not only is it black history, but the Tuskegee Airmen, they are a part of American history. And I just really think that it was so important that uh, a story like this was being told, not just in theaters for a movie, but you know, on stage so that people could see and understand that like these men deserved their flowers while they were alive. These men deserved to be a part of the parades when they were coming back from war, but to know that they were fighting for our country. They were, you know, upholding the American standards of which we're supposed to live by. But yet when you return back to your own country to be treated as other you know it's very shameful and it's crazy how it feels as though history is kind of repeating itself you know what i mean especially in the midst of um the black lives matter movement and just all of the things pertaining to black life and i i, I don't think i'll ever fully understand how and why there's such a huge divide when it comes to being black because <laughs> Quite frankly, black is beautiful. There's no other way to put it. It's, uh -huh. we're, we're extraordinary beings. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that like, my bloodline and my lineage and my history runs deep as far as the things that we've all experienced. And within that story, within Fly, it was just a 90 minute, no intermission, top to bottom history lesson for all the people who probably didn't know about the Tuskegee Airmen. And shamefully, within American history books, a lot of it wasn't even touched on. So, you know, to have an, um, so many powerful Black actors on stage at once just pouring into these characters was 
was truly an honor and and um amazing to know that like wow this is a part of black history this is a part of our history and and i was grateful for the opportunity for sure oh i wish i, I wish i could have seen it i just was uh fascinated that it existed that i hadn't heard of it which pissed me off that i hadn't heard of it um and yeah, like you say in the history books, you know, when when I was in high school, I knew the the first time that I learned about the Tuskegee Airmen was with that Cuba Gooding Jr. film. That was the first my first introduction to yeah. And and when I say they were at the top of their class because so many men were dropping out because what the requirements were so rigorous and what you had to endure was a lot you know what i'm saying just to be in any form facet of military or whatever so to know that all of these gentlemen were at the top of their class like that that to me is beyond a class act and i will forever salute um their memory i will forever salute their um resilience you know and and just be mindful of that as i move forward and that as i uh maneuver and progress as a black man in America. It's just, it's just so powerful to know that even in the midst of everything they experienced, they were still excellent at what they did. And, you know, being in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> that's what we're trying to do right now, which is right. another form of black excellence. Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> that is, that, you know, when, when a show, when a show comes along like that, you, you wonder, like, it makes me wonder and it gives me pause why they're, you know, I mean, Broadway is oh so white, right? So, you know, but it's it's the kind of show that like, I produce theater, I live in Montreal, I produce theater. It's the kind of show that like, I would produce. If I was a Broadway producer, I'd say this is a story that needs to be told. This is this is a story about America now, right. you know, like, Lin-Manuel did with with the casting of Hamilton you know representing America now and and um I think that that's it baffles me that that a show didn't progress to the point where and I, I I like to think that I have my finger on the pulse of theater I know a lot about theater I follow a lot of stuff and it frustrates me no end that I never heard about this show until I was looking up your credits and I saw a little video clip that you had made for Pasadena you know saying hi and come see our show type thing well I mean if you're baffled by it imagine how black artists and black creatives feel you of know course. Like, of course we know that we're fully capable of creating and producing and doing all of these things but like you said Broadway so white and the great white way of which it shouldn't even be named that because at the end of the day black stories are the stories that sell black talent is the the thing that keeps ticket holders subscribers you know on the edge of their seats because 100%. We're amazing at what we do, and I will never apologize for that, you know, uh, for saying that. But again, I think over the span of my career thus far, and God willing, knock on wood, I'll still, you know, be uh, a part of this industry. Um, I just observed that a lot of it boils down to business, and sometimes mm -hmm. it's about a dollar, but then it doesn't make any sense. Right. And so I, when you're speaking about producers 
I would say probably 90% of producers are white. Right. Yeah. Traditional and older. So, you know, when you're dealing with people who have a lot of money to invest, of course, they're going to go to a, they're going to go to the equation that has always worked. Right. That appealing to white audiences is what's going to put butts in theater seats. How and ever, comma, but there's a huge gap because now with technology and everything going virtual and, you know, you kind of having things at your fingertips to be able to create on your own, you know, I feel as though they're slightly oblivious to how that can impact their dollars. You know what I mean? And right. so now I, I, what I've observed is that a lot of creative artists, particularly black artists, you know, we're no longer waiting for producers to give us money or the green light to do things. Like, like I tell people, I have torn up my permission slip. I'm not waiting for you to give me permission to do great work. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it and wherever it lands, it's gonna land where it's supposed to land. And, you know, moving forward, I really hope that once things, you know, once Rona gets out the way, <laughs> I hope that um, there will be more creative artists who are bold and unafraid to tell their stories in their own given way so that it won't just be a bunch of white producers holding mm -hmm. their strings anymore, that we'll have a variety of creative artists and, and not just men, but women as well, and, and not just white men, but, you know, uh, people of color in general because you cannot tell an authentic story. You cannot tell a Black story without Black storytellers involved. And Absolutely, yeah. ...of its authenticity. And so I'm just hoping that there's a, a uh, surge in, in, in um, you know, producers and directors and writers and choreographers who are people of color because they're out there. They're out there. Mm -hmm. And it, it has always blown my mind when I hear casting directors say, yeah, you know, it's so hard to find black talent. It's so hard to, you know, cast a full show with, and it's, it's false because I could give you my entire contact list in my phone book and cast a show four to five times over, yeah. you know? Um, so again, I say, literally, you know, but again, it, it <laughs> to what you were saying, which is, um, yeah, gone are the days of just waiting for, people, producers, whatever, to, to make the decision on how we choose to distribute our art because art is limitless and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just make sure that it's great. <laughs> I was so grateful just to see the transformation and how it impacted people night after night. We sold out every night except for one night. Um, wow. Yeah, so it was, it was incredible. And ironically, I booked that show off of a self-tape <laughs> so, so that was quite interesting you know to not have to sing dance or kick my face but just solely be an actor was just yeah it was like the icing on the cake for me you know because sometimes they try and put you in a box as far as what you're capable of doing right and you know i appreciate that uh the director ricardo khan he he took a chance because that's a huge huge you know risk to say 
oh yeah, we're gonna premiere this show, have the West Coast premiere with the actor playing a lead who I've never met in person, but I've only seen him on video. And in addition to that, we're gonna transfer it off Broadway in one of the biggest theater rows on 42nd Street, you know? So I, I, I just, I was, my, it, there was, my gratitude was immeasurable. Let's just say that through that entire experience. So, so yeah, it, it more more flies need to happen. Shows like Fly need to happen, and I'm hoping that once Rona moves, hopefully bye. Good, good riddance. You uh, know. <laughs> in show because they're out there. They are out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, they are heard and yeah that's 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 something that needs to happen Desmond and I were uh used to work um for the uh Disneyland Resort here and we met and worked on a show um not this past summer but um summer of 2019 and in the course of that, we were all talking about, as usually is the talk in a dressing room, musicals will come up, you know? <laughs> I mean, what is your favorite musical? Everyone in the room, automatic, I mean, right away, we're like, we talked about The Wiz and it came up and everybody's like, oh, that's mine, oh, that's mine, oh, that's mine. I mean, we are all talked about the joy. And then you were talking about how uh, the light, um, how, uh, there's certain things and there's certain shows and there's certain music that you just think about them and it just lights you all up inside. This show, and I, and I haven't met a black person yet that does not like that show, that does not have, that, that does not light up when you mention this show, The Wiz. When you say that, black folks are like, oh my gosh, I remember the first time I ever saw it, or I saw it in the movie theater. Or, I mean, it, it's it's that, it is that show for us. It is that show. So we were all talking about it, and um, I think, was it Summer? You and Summer, and who Josh. was it? Um, Josh, yes, yes, Joshua. Um, we're all talking about how they would cast it with, the, with our cast, and so they were trying to put in who would probably play what and then and finally we all realized well I think all of us a would be in the show I mean you could actually you know we looked around the room and like everybody that we need is in this room right now Absolutely. so I think that's how it came about and like did you, but did you but did you say everybody look around give um more backstory yes stephanie and i we met doing um tale of lion king for the disneyland resort and you know when you are in the company of such great talent in addition to black talent it's just like even when you're not working you still want to be around that energy so you know the 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 show was running seven days a week and obviously with each given day you have different performers in different groups of cast and um, co-creators uh, Summer Greer and Joshua Valerione, Josh was also in the show and at the time Josh was like, oh my God, you know, like I I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of, of, of 
blackness and black greatness that surrounds me. And he was like, y'all, we really should like do a, a concert version of something. And we were like, okay, well, what do you have in mind? Josh being as eccentric and eclectic as he is, he wanted to do a Sondheim piece. And I was like, oh. So God you, bless him. So <laughs> you just want to do a Sondheim piece, because Sondheim is, you know, it's, it's very difficult to do for a lot of musicians. And so even, you know, actors and singers, and we were like, uh, okay, okay, wh what else you got, you know? And he was naming all of these things. And I understood what he was trying to do, which was he wanted to put black excellence on a platform that most people wouldn't expect us to be seen in. You know, most people wouldn't see uh, all black next to normal or, you know, um, a, a, a all black cast for a Sondheim show. So I understood where he was trying to go, but I was like, well, maybe right out the gate, we need to hit him with something that shows that, you know, we can do this and that it's doable and that we're viable as talent. Cause we knew it, but again, it's a business and you have to be able to um, project it in a way that people will come. And so it was kind of like we were in the dressing room and there was always music and, and singing going on in between the shows. And so it was kind of like a uh, unofficial survey that went around as far as like when we were talking about it and, and unanimously everybody was like, oh my God, the whiz, blah, 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 the whiz, the whiz, the whiz, right? So it, that, that concept kind of, kind of grew out of Josh just wanting to project black excellence on a larger platform. And then our show ended up uh, ending at the end of the summer. Everybody went there various ways, started the new projects, and then Rona happened and everything stopped. Like, you know it's serious when Disney and Broadway shut down, you know? And so when that happened, I think a lot of people were unsure of like the severity of COVID, number one, because mm -hmm. due to this information. And number two, because all of these companies, these large billion dollar companies were, were being affected so heavily, no one really knew that we would be out for this long. So, you know, first it was like, oh, you know, we'll be back by Easter. We'll be back by, you know, they were putting up all these markers, but they really weren't definite, you know, markers as far as mm -hmm. we quote unquote open back up. And so in the midst of that pandemic, another pandemic occurred with, you know, the, the tragic deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and um, um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it was just like black, began to be projected in a way that turned my stomach, you know? And I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't have cable. I don't do any of those things, but I do it on purpose because I just feel like certain types of media can truly be poisonous to your thoughts and your well-being. But when you have social media, you kind of can't get around it because you're gonna see clips of things. And, and the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was when people were actually posting video of George Floyd's death as it was occurring. And for me, I was like, wait, so we're just gonna disregard the fact that this man is a human being. And I, I shut down for like 2.5 seconds and I said, I'm not going to allow this society to depict how I see myself as a black person in America. And not only for myself, but for 
the next generation of little boys and girls, the next Stephanie's, the next Desmond's who are seeing all of these things and trying to figure out who they are and navigate through a world that's telling them that you are of no value. And immediately, I had like, this is the most spontaneous thing I've ever done, but immediately I text Josh and I had not spoken to Josh in months. It was, I think it was upwards of like six, seven months. And I was like, hey, so remember how you wanted to do like a live concert version of a Sondheim piece? And at first he didn't respond. It took him a few days and I thought, okay, cool. Like maybe wrong number, maybe whatever. And then he responded and he was like, yeah, 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 I remember. And I was like, would you mind like meeting with me like over Zoom? I, I just have this idea, nothing official, but I just want to see if you're interested. And he was like, sure. And that is when the thought of The Wiz came about because I remember when I did a production of The Wiz way back when I was in, um, starting out in New York. And I remember as I was researching the show that they were speaking about how The Wiz was actually, had undertones of uh, the political climate that was happening during that time, during the 70s. And I was like, wow, how befitting that we're actually going through that again, you know? And then the more I started to listen to the music and replay the lyrics and things of that nature, I was like, wow, why do I feel like they're telling my story as we speak, you know? And so then I thought, okay, what am I gonna tell Josh? And then I thought, okay, who would just lace this project with such great vocal goodness <laughs> and without a shadow of a doubt i thought of summer greer who um is one of the um, vocal arrangers for the project and i text her and i was like hey i have this idea nothing's flushed out but would you mind meeting with me and josh so i could talk to you about it and we were over like i think a zoom or google meet something something virtual and i was like hey i don't know what i'm doing but I know what I want to do. And I said, would you guys be interested in being a part of my creative team for producing The Wiz, right? And they were like, but how are we going to do this? And I was like, I know, I know, I know. And I was like, that's what I'm trying to get to. I was like, well, being that we're kind of on restriction right now, and I mean, this was in the middle of the pandemic when we were legitimately on lockdown. Like stores were shut all the way down. You couldn't do anything. And I was like, well, the only other option we have is to do it virtually. And they were like, ah, okay. And I was like, I know, I know. I was like, I know it sounds crazy, but I was like, if you trust me, I was like, I think this could work. And from there, they were like, great. And we probably within the week went into pre-production and we sat down and we had a meeting about what songs we thought were iconic from not only the stage version, but the movie version. Um, because again, like Stephanie said, within black households, you mentioned The Wiz and it's a wrap. You know what I mean? Either you know about Stephanie Mills' Dorothy or you know about Diana Ross's Dorothy. You either, you either know about Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow or you know about, you know, Richard Pryor as The Wiz. Like these are just iconic characters and staples within black households. Uh -huh. Once we whittled it down to 
what songs we wanted to do because disclaimer it's not a full production of the, of the Wiz. this is a legitimate virtual celebration of the iconic and memorable songs from the Wiz. um so just wanted to put that out there just in case people are like mm-hmm. well, that's not what this is um but you're gonna get your money's worth and it's free so <laughs> It would be well worth it. But once we whittled it down to the songs that we wanted to do, then we went into writing the script. Because, you know, at the time, people started to do, like, virtual performances. And I had seen probably, like, one or two. And I kept thinking to myself, like, how do we how do we do this but not do it that way? You know, I was like, how, how do we put our own unique stamp on our version of the Wiz, and I just went into full on. I mean, and Steph will tell you this because we've had many a car rides to work to where we'll be talking about stuff, and I'll be like, "Oh, it'd be cool if we did blah blah blah," and she'll look at me in the passenger seat and be like, "Why don't you just direct this?" <laughs> and I'll be like, "Well, no, it's just an idea." Blah 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 blah, and she was like, "No, seriously, you should be producing this." Yeah. And so I got out of my own way. And I just started to research what was working with the virtual content that I was seeing, but then thinking, how could I desmonize this? How could I make this unique to what we create as people of color? And I just remember we were having meetings upon meetings and I would just come back with all of these concepts and ideas and bounce them off of the co-creators of Josh and Summer. And they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, no, 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 I know it doesn't make sense, but if you do this and if you add this together, and they'd be like, okay, well, if you can show us, I think it'll make more sense. So gradually, once we started to write the script and, and the, the structure of the show kind of revealed itself, I think that's when they were officially on board as far as knowing where my crazy was trying to go. Cause you really do have <laughs> borderline crazy to try and do one of the most iconic black shows in the midst of a pandemic within a pandemic, you know? But call me crazy. It's my middle name, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a method to my madness, let's just say that. And then the next step was figuring out who we wanted to be a part of it. And it was legitimately a no brainer, if anything, our list was too long, actually. <laughs> um, and so, you know, once we knew what songs we wanted, it kind of helped us know what characters were gonna be in the show. And then we were just like, oh my God, this person would be great as this, and da 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 And so we made a, ca- a preliminary cast list. And then, then I was like, oh my gosh, I am asking these people to do so much in the middle of a pandemic. Like, nobody knows when ne- where the next paycheck is gonna come from, nobody knows where their next job is gonna be. Some people don't even know where they're gonna live. And I was like, here you are asking all of these people to record all of these songs. And I mean, I'm sure Steph can attest to it. It was very, very specific, you know, the guidelines and requirements for what we needed for this project because I just didn't want the standard virtual experience, quote unquote. Obviously now, eight, nine months into the pandemic, you know, we figured out creative ways to do things. But back then, everyone was trying to figure it out. So everything was new. But I just knew that I didn't want to do it the same old way. Um, And we reached out to a bunch of uh, actors. Some people either weren't available or just weren't in a mental space to be able to do it. But there was an overwhelming sense of yes that occurred 
that blew my mind. And I was grateful for that because also I wanted to use this project as a means to just allow performers a space to be able to still perform. You know, it's in our blood, it's in our DNA once you've done it for so long and to kind of have that stripped away so abruptly, I just wanted to do something that would allow everybody to flex their muscles safely, you know what I mean, <laughs> remotely. But um, yeah, it, it was very important. And, and the, the outpouring of yeses that occurred, you know, even in the midst of me knowing that I was crazy and being overly ambitious about it, um, it was overwhelming. And if anything, it fueled me to keep going with the project. And the more I got yeses, it was just the encouragement that I needed to know that this needed to happen, that the Wiz, the virtual celebration of Black excellence needed to occur. And we got all the, we got all the, the, the content out to the cast and, you know, people were emailing and calling and texting and just being like, you know, do you want it like this or should it be like this? And I was like, listen, we just want you guys to be great. And whatever, however Black excellence transfers to you, that's what we want, you know, because I didn't want to, as a director, be like, you have to do it this way and, you know, make sure blah, 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 because the people we were asking to be a part of the project, they were already excellent. Like, that was the, the easy part, you know what I'm saying? Like, your brilliance and your greatness is the thing that's going to make this project great. But I, I, I was appreciative that everybody was on board, number one, and serious about it. Like, when I say serious to the umpteenth degree, like, down to, like, what they were going to wear. Because, again, there were definite guidelines for the project as far as the music, yes. as far as the colors that we wanted um, specific characters to wear. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, this is, like, a director's dream because they were doing a lot of the work on their own. You know, for, for Summer and Josh and I, we thought, okay, we'll have them do the songs, and then once we get into post, we'll just make everything, you know, fit together. But they, every person that submitted their videos came with their A-game, and there were about 284 videos that I had to look through as far as with the singers and musicians. And then there were 79 videos that I had to look through for all of the dancers. And so once we got all of that, I was literally sitting at my computer night after night, just like, just falling <laughs> in love with everybody's gifts because you know, sometimes you forget, like it's one thing when you're working with somebody in a show and you see you're working alongside them, but to be an audience member and to have my own little like private session of watching all of these great performances, it was truly a treat for me. And it revived my notion as to why black talent is important, as to why, you know, black stories are important. And, and every day where I wanted to give up on this project because there were many days where I was like, I am totally in over my head because again, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and a pandemic is ever changing, you know, and everyone on our creative team has been greatly affected by the pandemic, whether it be directly or indirectly, family or friends. And so I had to find that balance of knowing self-care and then knowing when to you know, put 
put my energy into this project because it can overwhelm you, you know, because we're living in uncertain times. It just is what it is. Um, but it was just the fact that like, every time I came back to this project, I would watch a clip or I would hear somebody sing something and it, I, I felt as though they were speaking to me, you know, or speaking to the situation of which I was going through at the moment. And that's when I was like, yeah, I gotta keep at this because everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong with this project. You know, post-production is, is an interesting beast within itself. And I uh, had an editor at the time, you know, we got all the clips and we had all the preliminary edits of who we wanted to sing, which parts within the songs down to the, to the second, you know? Um, and, and then family emergencies come up. And before I knew it, I was hoisted into a new position, which was editor. And I was like, what, wait, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what, you, I, I, I don't know, what, what is this? <laughs> so I, I had two options. I was like, okay, I could either have someone else do this and edit it, find somebody, or I'm just not gonna do it. Cause I was like, it, I, I'm not gonna ruin this project. I, that for me just wasn't, it wasn't an option. So I reached out to my network of people and, you know, because it was getting nearer to the holidays, people weren't available or people just didn't respond. One guy tried to charge me $1,200 and I was like, um, buddy, I'm not gonna pay you the price of my rent to do this project. And I said, I would rather teach myself new software than do that. And he was like, oh, well, you should try blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> And I started researching and, and, you know, Googling different softwares. And once I kind of found one that I thought was maneuverable, I remember I spent, I said, okay, I'm going to give myself a seven day crash course on how to edit this show. If I cannot figure it out by day seven, we're not going to do this. I'm just going to cancel it. And that's that. Um, and at this point, I had already, you know, built up anticipation within the cast. I had already let them know that, you know, we were well underway. And I just remember I started to try and edit things. And then my laptop started to do the infamous color. And I was like, what's going on? So I researched that and they were like, oh, that means your storage is low. And I was like, well, how is that possible? when I don't have anything on my laptop. So I checked out my storage and I only had 20 gigabytes left on my hard drive. And I was like, how is this possible? But come to find out the editing software that I chose took up all of my storage. And so thank God I had already ordered a external hard drive. So I did spend three hours manually moving everything from my laptop to this external hard drive just to make space for this project, The Wiz, A Virtual Celebration of Black Excellence. Um, once we got that out of the way, I started drafting things and I started seeing the images come together. And then I would come back the next day and all the footage was gone. And I was like, oh, okay. This is gonna be more challenging than I thought. But the beauty of the whole thing is that it just taught me a huge lesson in patience and most importantly, perseverance, because I could have easily said this is difficult and I quit, but then taking it back to 
the conversation that we were having earlier um, about Fly and the Tuskegee Airmen, it was one of those moments to where I was like, Desmond, you come from this. If, if your ancestors can do what they did and still reach levels of greatness, what makes you think that a little hard drive is gonna derail you from doing what you're supposed to do? Take a break, go eat a snack, drink some water, call your mom and do it. And yes, so, yes. <laughs> once I trained, changed my train of thought, I just got to a point to where I was, became overwhelmingly excited once I got out of the way and started to just think about not the things that were holding me back, but the things that were of benefit and service to me and started thinking about the solution, which was how are we gonna get this project out? To, the, to people because they need to see it. And now I'm just so excited for everyone to see what I have seen on my computer screen for the past couple of months and heard and just fallen in love with uh, nightly, you know, with everyone's gifts and talents. And it's, this project is just confirmation for what I've always known. And I just hope that it's confirmation for what people will end up seeing, which is just, a vast assortment of black excellence. At the end of the day, it's not about the likes, it's not about the popularity, it's not about you know the views, it's really just about upholding the standard of which we come from as people of color. And, and I'm super excited, I'm super, super, super excited about that um, to, to have this coming out. So hopefully people will tune in and um, yeah, and hopefully it will, kind of inspire people as far as seeing the potential as far as how far you can go with virtual content you know because now that we're kind of figuring things out um yeah i, I just wanted to to add my take to the mix and desmonize the entire project and just say yeah like use this as a catalyst for where you can take your next project so hopefully i can pass the torch to somebody else who is ambitious enough to do a virtual undertaking. <laughs> and, and again, you know, being in the midst of a pandemic, we don't have the tall tale excuse of like, oh, I can't do it because I'm rehearsal, or I can't do it because I'm in a show. It's like, you have nothing but time, space, and opportunity to create, but it truly boils down to, you know, or at least for me, it truly boiled down to me getting out of my own way and mm -hmm. And just ripping up my permission slips and everything that I thought that I knew and everything that I thought that I expected and just taking it back to the basics of, you know, once upon a time, I wasn't getting paid for this. Once upon a time, I was just singing in my room because I loved it. Once upon a time, I was, you know, after school doing monologues and things of that nature and playing dress up with, you know, different actors and stuff because that's what we loved to do. And so, again, once I just kind of got back to that, it just helped fuel me for this project in knowing that let's just strip it of all expectation, let's strip it of all the, you know, things that our industry has kind of convinced us that is important and, and take it back to what's truly important, which is being a creative artist. Um, but yes, it, it, it can bring out a lot in you, you know, um, like you said, you learning a new skill, who would have thought that you would be able to edit your own stuff. Who would have thought that I would be jumping into that position, let alone, you know, producing and directing it. It's like, it was a one-stop shop. 
for sure, mm-hmm. for this project. But I think that in moving forward, it gives me a greater sense of um, not only confidence, but it gives me a greater sense of awareness, knowing that, you know, comfortability is a mindset. And a lot of us have grown comfortable in the way that we live, in the way that we treat our art, but sometimes it's okay with getting uncomfortable, you know, because that is truly the, as I take it, I feel like God purposefully makes us uncomfortable so that we continue to shift. It's almost like when you sleep and you're in a position that's uncomfortable, obviously you're gonna move to another position until you find what feels good, you know? And I believe that this is that time of shifting, not only with um, our world and mother nature, but just shifting the way that we think about each other and the way that we think about ourselves in relation to our art. Um, mm-hmm. in humanity, you know? Um, the Wiz is a beautiful story because yes, it's told under the lens of a all black cast, but the themes are universal. You know, the human experience is a universal thing. And, and that's another thing that I hope that people will uh, tune in and see is that like, the words to these songs, the, 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 the acting and all of these things, it's, it's, it's all things that we can relate to in this given climate, you know, politically or environmentally. It's just, it embodies so many different things. And I hope that someone is able to take something away from it, you know, at the end of the day, because it's needed, you know, it's needed. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us, um, obviously, we'll put in our social media posts all the details of where people can can tune into this. But um, if you can let everybody know where where we can find this, how how we can tune in when, what time, what time zone. And yes. then I want and then I want to talk about a little bit about Stephanie's involvement in the project. Yeah, um, well, definitely tune in Monday, November 30th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for The Wiz, a virtual celebration of Black excellence. We will be streaming it live through Facebook as well as um, YouTube. So there will be links to follow. Um, if you guys are interested, you can follow me, Desmond Newsom, on all social media platforms. Um, follow me as Desmond Newsom on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram as 1000u.1me. That's the numeral 1000u.me numeral one me on Instagram and yeah we'll keep you up to date and all the links and everything will be provided there but Monday November 30th 7 p.m Pacific Standard Time you do not want to miss this awesome I'm definitely going to be watching it'll it'll be late for an old lady like me 10 p.m on the east coast (laughs) but totally worth it so um so Steph announced this week that she was participating in this project, of which she didn't tell me at all until I saw her Facebook post. Thanks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had it under wraps for a while because, you know, I wanted to make sure that the final product was truly representing this cast in the best way. So even the cast didn't really know much aside from the songs they were singing in addition to what they looked like on promotion (laughs) but other than that they didn't even really know who else was a part of the cast unless they kind of reached out to other people who were also a part of it so it was it was very um 
very, very top secret, but I just prefer to work underground because sometimes when people put out projects and speak about them prematurely, it kind of ruins the anticipation and energy that can go into the actual project versus, oh my God, hashtag, I just picked up my pen today and wrote a paragraph for my new project. It's like, well, <laughs> I finished it. So <laughs> why are we talking about it? But yes, so don't feel bad, you know, Stephanie's in the same boat with the rest of the cast. Is that we've kept it under wraps for a while? I, th I think I'm. I think I'm probably. I think I'm probably her biggest fan. I would say. I think I'm your biggest fan. Stephanie. I mean, Stephanie. And, and the thing about Stephanie is that I don't think she understands her range as far as the amount of different characters that she can play, and I didn't really understand. Um, the length of Stephanie's career until we started working at Disney together. And, you know, we would be driving to work or in the dressing room. She'd be like, yeah, you know, when I did this show, but and I'd be like, wait, I'm sorry, what? You did which show? When I was Sister Chantel and Bear in the original yeah. cast of Bear, what? I'm sorry, what now? And I was like, I, I, I'm not understanding. And, you know, the, the, the beauty of, of Steph's career is that Stephanie, before it was cool to diversify cast, that's what Stephanie was already doing. You know, Stephanie was taking on roles that weren't originally written for people of color, sometimes even let alone women, you know? And to know that it was like, wait, so you're like OG at this. Like you've <laughs> been doing this for a while. You know, it, it was it was all the more reason why I had to have Stephanie part of this cast because it was a no-brainer, you know, when we were in pre-production trying to figure out who was going to be a part of this cast, we were just like, no, Stephanie has to be this character. Like, no, we will not have her do anything else but this role. Um, so it was amazing that, again, she said yes, because also, you know, Stephanie, I, Stephanie and I are also friends. So just in me knowing what was going on with her personally, you know, she just stepped up to the plate. And I was blown away by what she brought to the show and what she brought to this role. And I'm really excited for people. The, 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 the number that Stephanie is a part of, I think was probably one of my most favorite uh, segments to edit. Like it's it just the, 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 the visuals and the, the, the vocals are very stunning and heartfelt. And I hope that people will enjoy that because watching it on my laptop I was like oh. <laughs> just in awe of uh, Stephanie and then what she brought to it and just her willingness to want to do a great job you know what I'm saying like Stephanie's a veteran in the industry like you said she was a part of the original cast of Bear and for her to text me and to call me and, and to make sure that it was in line with what our vision was. I really, really appreciated that because a lot of times you'll work with actors who will just do the bare minimum, but mm -hmm. Stephanie wanted to go above and beyond, even in the midst of everything that she was going through. And, you know, she already knows that I love her, but my love and adoration for her just grew because of that. So thank you for being a part of the project, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. Um, good thing I was needed because I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was, it, as you talked about, it was a no-brainer. You know how much I enjoy working with you. If we could work together more often, uh, I well, 
can't really do that now. But, um, you know, if we didn't have Rona all up in here, right. you know, it would be like the daily. Absolutely. The daily. You know what I mean? That's that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, but I was just excited to be asked to be a part of it. And then the people, the people that are a part of this, voices, the voices, the voices on this. I, I'm telling you, people out there, our listeners, you will not be disappointed with the caliber of talent that is in this. Right. I finally saw like who was in it and I was like, oh my gosh, I love them. You know, so it's, for me, it's exciting. So I get to fangirl some more. It'll be great. And, um, and a lot of people may not know that the entire cast is made up of all Disney cast members. You know, the musicians, the dancers, all of them are from Disney. And so it, it was very important that, you know, I was able to bring all of them together one last time, even with Disney being closed, 28,000 people being laid off. You know, this is a project that is solely dedicated to Black excellence, but Disney cast who, you know, love to do what they do. I think a lot of the reason why it, it was probably greeted with a resounding yes is because in the midst of what's going on, this is something that can lift you out of that, mm -hmm. you know? It, it'll lift you out of it, it'll bring you joy. I mean, what better way to spend a couple of hours <laughs> by send, you know, singing music that you've always loved, you know, from when you were a kid. Um, and uh, so that's the way I looked at it. I didn't look at it as, uh, you know, as, as, oh God, I've got to get this thing done. Well, yeah, I did because <laughs> <laughs> down to the wire. But um, I also, you know, really realized that it was, it was something that I, I loved and it, it, and it was part of that, that space, it, that space in my heart that is truly home. Those kind of things that are really what I love to do and what it, it is comfort, you know, like, soul food is comfort food <laughs> that was what this 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 musical what this project is for me it's the comfort food it's something that is definitely needed so once again desmond thank you and joshua and summer um once again we come to the end of another episode of broadway babies once again thank you desmond for coming around here and telling us all about your project. I'm excited. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, this is the end of this episode of Broadway Babies. I'm Stephanie Anderson. And I'm Noelle Hannibal. And we will see you again next time. Thank you again, everyone. Bye. Bye now.